It's time once again for the greatest podcast this side of the Mississippi. Now with Les Salmonella, the Shufflebox Podcast. Here's your hosts, Alex Big Dog Vallejos and Hugh Hefner Marcelo Crow. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the Shufflebox Podcast this week. I'm your host, Alex the Big Dog Vallejos, along with my man, Marcelo. Hey, what's up, guys? And we are kicking off November with a Grindhouse Month with the original Grindhouse with Planet Terror and Death Proof. Marcelo had a really fun idea to do Grindhouse all this month, and we are going to start off where it all began. Yeah, yeah, I'm... I'm excited. Um, I was really obsessed obsessed with these movies when they uh, when they came out for some reason. And um, I mean, I still even own the the. I have like this hundred page art book or so, which is just filled with all the art of the movie and talks about some of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, it's I just really enjoyed this movie quite a bit, and I'm so glad that we are going to be talking about. It. Yeah, I never saw it in theaters, and I never saw it as it was intended. I've only seen Death Proof itself, never Planet Terror, or any of the um, like fake movie trailers that ended up being the movies we'll review over the next couple weeks, which is actually really fun. Um, so that was that was kind of fun to uh, see this week as well, and we'll we'll get into it because I know it's quite a quite a long movie, but. Um, I know you know a lot yeah, better it, than I do, but like, what kind of preparation did uh, Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino have to do to get this movie like off the ground and running? Like, what kind of preparation do they have to do for all this for the collaboration no, yeah. on this film? So we'll we'll get into that here in a bit. Oh. But I actually have some news that I wanted to start out with. Oh yeah, of course. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I had told you in the car I was going to actually try and get your live reaction, but. Uh, to be honest, I figured that I was just going to tell you and then uh, we were just going to do it on the show. But um, I have some great news. It, it is uh, it, it is just going to take me some time. It's that uh, I have got my old videos back from the channel that was terminated. And uh, I, even though my channel was terminated, I found out that there's something on Google called Google Takeout to where you can actually get copies of all your shit from everything Google. Um, and you just have to like select and do everything. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get back all these old videos that we've talked about on the channel. Um, and the thing is, I just have to sift through everything just because there's a, like three terabytes worth of shit. And um, pretty much um, that's like the big news is just that we got the old videos back that we've talked about on the channel and that, I am planning to upload them, not frequently, but as soon as I possibly can when um, when I get through them, just because uh, like it is just a lot to go through, and I'm actually going to upload them to our Instagram, uh, my personal one, possibly the um, the podcast one on Instagram, and uh, you're going to see me bombing on cable access. Um, where you're going to see some of the stuff that, that I've made. Um, you're going to see some of the stuff we've made with short films and that. Um, the uh, Alex had uh, remember, had brought this to mind last night, but when he helped me 
try and film a uh, a real <laughs> a job interview a real when we went to Fort Collins. Um, we just there's a ton of stuff that I'm excited to show, and it, I swear to God, it just it feels like I've I've regained a piece of of myself just because the channel had gotten terminated. I think. Uh, a year, year ago, year and a half ago or something. And it's just, I was bummed out just because it was, it's okay that the channel got lost. That happens. Like, I'm not sweating too much over that. I can always just do something somewhere else and just restart from scratch. As much as it sucks, you know, what can you do? The only thing that sucks is just all that time lost. And that's what hurt me the most is just that we put in a lot of effort to some videos that I just wanted to get back. A majority of them, I'll be honest, are not great. But um, but I think it's just the time that we invested into quite a bit that we were just happy to get out there. And I was sad that they were lost, especially even the final version of the short film that I did with Alex called Circle. Um, that The final master was uploaded to YouTube, and I thought I had a copy on Vimeo, but I guess I didn't. And uh, I had a copy saved on my hard drive, but apparently that got wiped somehow. So, I mean, we've just, I've gotten everything back and slowly I've been just downloading it, trying to go through what I can, trying to see what I want to keep, what I don't want to keep. And, um, it's just been a bit of a process. So slowly over the next few months, if you look on our, if you follow us on Instagram, uh, me at crow three Oh three, the show, um, I think it's a, is it a shuffle box podcast or is yeah. it shuffle box? Yep. At shuffle box podcast. All right, yeah, I mean, if you follow the, both of those accounts, um, some videos are going to come out over the next while of just uh, stuff that I had on my old channel, and it's just going to just be there for a new home is all. Um, for sure, it's going to be on my personal one. Like I said, I'm debating on doing it on the show's one, um, but I'm just, I'm excited. I'm really happy, and that's kind of just my uh, my big news is just that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty much it. And uh, I mean, when you told me yesterday, I thought it was I was I was super stoked because, like you said, when you told me the channel got lost, I was like, ah, oh, really? And it really did bum you out. And then you sent me a link to one of my favorite videos that you've done, which is just a cheesy video. And I'm like, no way he got the channel back. Well, in a sense, you did. And uh, yeah, it, it's exciting. We've talked about Marcelo's fight with the Pleasures dudes. Those videos are stuff that he's gotten back um the bombing on, pub- bombing on public access that's fun yeah, yeah. i'm gonna oh. see about where to upload those i might just have to create a whole new channel for that but um we'll uh all i can say is we'll we'll see where i'm gonna upload everything um that's something i gotta figure out and it is just trying to get the actual videos and uh getting enough space and um yeah i'm just excited that's all i'm excited to bring these videos back to life more than anything um it's just going to be nice. It's uh, because then anytime we reference them, you know, um, like we can post them. anybody. Yeah. Anybody will have the chance to view them, which and is that's... again, the big thing. And, um, and on top of that, it's also like uh, just this like resume that we built for everything. Um you know, say what you want, as bad or terrible as the videos were, they were produced. Like, we, we put all our time, we put some money into them, and that was the big thing of everything. So, I'm uh, I'm just excited. Uh, it just made me so happy. And now, the next part of it all is just trying to sift through everything and, and just see what I want to keep, what I want to 
get back and that is just the next part. It's the next step of it all. And that's just going to take some time just because of school. Um, you know what I, and just seeing what, what I believe was good and what I don't think was good. Sure. It makes sense, but we're excited to see that old stuff. And it's kind of a time capsule of the times too, depending on when the videos were made. Oh yeah. Some of them are meant for that time they were made in, but I think it's a, I, I like that kind of stuff. For sure. And some of them are just going to be bombs, which I understand. They were bombs back then. They're not going to change because of time. <laughs> but um, but just because they're bombs doesn't mean that they don't hold some sort of sentimentality in our hearts. Sure. Of course, man. And then, uh, yeah, so just aside from that, this month we're starting Grindhouse Month. Um, we're going to kick it off with Grindhouse. And, um, and then next week we're just going to go to Machete. And then the week after that, it's going to be Hobo with the Shotgun. And then with the final week, we're going to kick it all off with Thanksgiving. Um, thanks. Is it Thanksgiving or is it Thanksgiving? No, thanks, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving is a totally different movie. Okay. I, yeah, for, I completely forget. For some reason, my mind was like, oh, it's Thanksgiving. No, Thanksgiving is like a murderous. Thanksgiving is a murderous, like, turkey puppet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was trying to just remember. But um but yeah, so it's going to be a it's just going to be a fun month um more than anything and we just can't wait to show you guys what's coming up. So, let's kick it off with with Grindhouse, you know, like Alex was saying, it's just um I was telling him a little bit about the the story of Grindhouse itself where it was just that from my understanding of everything, it was Tarantino and Rodriguez were watching old movies one day and there was this um this double feature uh poster that Tarantino had in his office of a um it was Faster Pussycat Kill Kill and some other movie and I can't remember but Rodriguez saw it and he's like oh dude that's badass and then you know Tarantino's like oh hell yeah he's like have you seen uh it's like apparently Tarantino ha- had uh movies to where there were missing reels and when he would show them, um, they were just filmed that way. So it lent itself to the actual movie itself. So when you'd watch the movie, there was a missing reel, but it still worked in the overall sense of the movie um, to where these people were after money and then missing reel. And then somehow just cut to them later having the money. Then you're like, what the hell just happened? But again, you were so focused on the rest of the movie that it didn't matter. And the missing reels actually kind of added to it. So they, they took these ideas of all these grindhouse movies they had, and then they were, um, they were also coming off of some, um, some big hits. Um, I believe Tarantino at that time had just come out with kill bill. I'm going to, I'm going to check my, I'm going to check myself here just so I can be sure. And, um, and it was also, um, sorry, I'm, while I'm talking, I'm trying to get both these things up. No, you're but, fine, man. It's, but yeah, uh, so. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that, uh, I just think, I think it was a smart idea. It was a fun idea. Yeah. Especially, especially since these guys grew up watching all those movies. Mm-hmm. So, um. So Rodri and also to Robert Rodriguez and Tarantino have always been kind of tight knit because they actually helped out on each other's movies to where um to where um 
Rodriguez paid Tarantino a dollar to direct a scene in Sin City, and then Tarantino actually paid Rodriguez a dollar as well to score uh, one of the Kill Bill movies or compose a score for uh, Kill Bill Volume Two. Huh. Um, so they're uh, so. With that being said, Rodriguez is coming off of Sin City, uh, Adventures, Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Um, and it looks like something that he wrote called, uh, Quarandero. And then Tarantino's coming off of the Kill Bill movies. Um, cause they both came out of 304. Like I said, they saw that, that feature and they're like, fuck it. Let's see if we can do, um, a double feature for, for the grindhouse. Um, like, and we'll just for, because they used to call them grindhouses to where it was a double feature and it was kind of hard to market just because even in the trailer for the film itself, um, the actual trailer for the movie tells you exactly what a grindhouse is. And I'm going to play that here in a second, just because they were trying to figure out exactly how to market a double movie to people. So here's the, here's the trailer. Theater that played back to back movies featuring uncensored sexuality and hardcore thrills. Tarantino and Rodriguez are bringing the Grindhouse back with two explosive feature films. First, this. Yeah, and then it gets to the actual trailers for the movies within the movie. And um, so pretty much, yeah, so it was a double feature when it came out. The thing was, though, what was crazy about it was uh, I'm trying to get to everything. Oh, and I'm sorry, I missed uh, I messed up the movies that that was on the double double bill that Tarantino had. Um, it was it says the idea. This is from Wikipedia. Idea for Grindhouse came to Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino when Tarantino set up screenings of double features in his house, complete with trailers before and in between the films. During one screening in 03, Rodriguez noticed that he owned the same double feature mo- movie poster as Tarantino for the 57 films Drag Strip Girl and Rock All Night. And if you look at that poster compared to the Grindhouse one, it is the exact same one, which is awesome. Hmm. It, it looks like the exact same, just updated for their movies. Same sort of color palette and everything. And uh, Rodriguez asked Tarantino, I always wanted to do a double feature. Hey, why don't you direct one and I'll do the other? Tarantino quickly replied, and we got to call it Grindhouse. And it originates from American term for theaters that played all the exploitation genres, Kung Fu, horror, giallo, sexploitation, the good old boy, redneck car chase movies, black exploitation, spaghetti westerns, all those uh, risable genres that were released in the 70s. According to Rodriguez, the posters were much better than the movies, but we're actually making something that lives up to the posters. Um, so Rodriguez first came up with the idea for Planet Terror during the production of The Faculty. It says, I remember telling Elijah Wood and Josh Harnett, all these uh, young actors that zombie movies were dead and hadn't been around for a while, but that I thought they were going to come back in a big way because they'd been gone for so long. I said, we've got to start there first. I had a script I started writing. It was about 30 pages. And I said to them, there are all characters for all you to play. Um, We got all excited about it and I didn't know where to go with it. Introduction was about as far as I'd gotten. And then I got to other movies. Sure enough, the zombie movie invasion came back. Uh, The zombie invasion a zombie movie invasion happened and they all came back again. And I was like, ah, I knew I should have made my zombie film story was approached again when Tarantino and Rodriguez developed the idea for grindhouse as planet terror took shape. Tarantino developed the story for death proof based on his fascination for the way stuntmen would death proof their cars. As long as they were driving, stuntmen could slam their cars head first into a brick wall at 60 miles per hour and survive. This inspired Tarantino to create a slasher film featuring a deranged stuntman who stalks and murders sexy young women with his death-proof car. 
Tarantino remembers, I realized I couldn't do a straight slasher film because with the exception of women in prison films, there is no other genre quite as rigid. And if you break that up, you aren't really doing it anymore. It's inorganic. So I realized, let me take the structure of a slasher film and just do what I do. My version is going to be fucked up and disjointed, but it seemingly uh, uses the structure of a slasher film, hopefully against you. According to Rodriguez, Tarantino had an idea and a complete vision for it right away when he first talked about it. He started to tell me the story and said, it's got this death proof car in it. I said, you have to call it death proof. Um, I had helped. I helped the title, the movie, but that's it of the car chases. Tarantino stated CGI for car stunts doesn't make any sense to me. How's that supposed to be impressive? I don't think there have been any good car chases since I started making films in 92. To me, the last terrific car chase was in Terminator two and final destination two had a magnificent car action piece in between that. Not a lot. Every time a stunt happens, there's 12 cameras and they use every angle for avid editing, avid editing. I don't feel it in my stomach. It's just action. And then, uh, and then goes on to some of the direction, but you can't talk about Rodriguez and Tarantino without bringing up, um, Weinstein. And this kind of ties into everything just because some of the movies were owned pretty much a lot of their movies, if not quite a bit were owned by Miramax and dimension who, have done so many films that essentially established pop culture in the nineties with Weinstein at the head and the rights of it got lost in limbo. But that's why now that they're coming back, I don't mind them coming back just because they're kind of getting rid of the stench of Weinstein off of them. And you're trying to remember them for the movies. They are like the scream franchise that was owned by dimension and Miramax bought up by Paramount. Um, Tarantino with, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, I believe that he was bought. Yeah. He was, uh, bought out by universal because he went on to do Inglorious bastards over at universal in 09 um, with Rodriguez. He's ever since the um, well, anyways, with planet terror, this is from the verge, but Rose McGowan's role in grindhouse was revenge on Harvey Weinstein. And this was, this was published back in 2017. So I'm going to read the whole article, but when filmmaker Robert Rodriguez cast actress Rose McGowan in the B movie exploitation flake grindhouse, it was more than finding the right actor for the right role. It was a defiant middle finger to disgraced Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein. In a statement to Variety, Rodriguez explains that he met the actress at the 2005 Cannes Film Festival, where she told him she had been raped by Weinstein eight years prior. In the aftermath of the assault, that the actress found herself blacklisted from appearing in any films connected to Weinstein or his influential studio. I then revealed to Rose right then and there that I was about to start writing a movie with Quentin Tarantino, a double feature throwback to 70s exploitation movies, and that if she was interested, I would write her a badass character and make her one of the leads, said the filmmaker. I wanted her to have a starring role in a big movie to take her off the blacklist. And the best part is that we would have Harvey's new Weinstein company pay for the whole damn thing. The movie was 2007's Grindhouse, a double feature comprised of Tarantino's Death Proof, which starred Zoe Bell and Kurt Russell, and Rodriguez's Planet Terror. In the latter film, McGowan plays Cherry, a dancer who finds herself in the midst of the zombie apocalypse, and ends up killing two rapists before the credits roll. The film tanked at the box office, which Rodriguez attributes to Weinstein personally bearing the movie because of McGowan's involvement. And over the past month, profiles from the New York Times and the New Yorker have exposed decades of sexual misconduct allegations against Weinstein with prominent actresses like Gwyneth Paltrow and Angelina Jolie and filmmakers like Asia Argento, all coming forward to document tales of inappropriate behavior, harassment and rape perpetrated by Weinstein. The revelations have torpedoed the producer's career, but they've also led a broader cultural movement where sexual harassment and assault across the entertainment industry and all workplaces is being recognized in a meaningful way. I just quickly want to mention before I go in the article here, 
Um, there was a movie that came out about this during, uh, I think it was a couple years back called, uh, she said, I think it was Oh two or 20, 2021, 2022. Um, about Weinstein and um, about like women in the workplace and how everything got exposed. Terrific, terrific movie that I felt was really, really um, underseen. But um, let's go back to the article. Despite learning about the allegations, Rodriguez continued to make films for Weinstein related companies. Rodriguez says that casting McGowan was a way of striking back against Weinstein's predatory behavior. Uh, McGow- uh, Rodriguez and McGowan were in a relationship from 06 through 09, but it's also worth noting that despite learning about McGowan's allegations, the filmmaker continued working with Weinstein-related companies in subsequent years, including on the 2011 film Spy Kids 4 and 2014 Sin City, a game uh, to kill for. In a statement, Rodriguez suggests that everyone in the entertainment industry needs to do more to address the systemic problem of sexual harassment. These past few weeks have given me new clarity and hope by seeing the tide finally turn, seeing Harvey finally on the run, and seeing all the brave women who've come forth with their own shocking and distressing stories of abuse he writes since i've seen a distinct lack of stories coming from men who may have tried to do the right thing i wanted to come forth and say that no matter the consequences no matter how far you have to stick out your neck no matter how far you have to stick your neck out no matter what you have to lose that we must fight the good fight everyone has to take it make a stand and take action um and that's the that is from the verge and i'm going to go back to aside from us talking about the way the movies were actually made, which we're going to get into, I think when that, when we talk about the actual movies, when it was released, uh, grindhouse was, was a bomb. They actually didn't make too much money back. It's kind of like grown in a cult following. Um, let's see outside of the U S and Canada. And this is from Wikipedia. We're going back to Wikipedia, but theatrical outside of U S and Canada, um, planet terror and death proof were released separately in extended versions about two months apart. Poster artwork for each film's release in the Netherlands claimed that Death Proof would feature coming attractions from Rodriguez, while Planet Terror would feature coming attractions from Tarantino. While the separated version of Planet Terror includes the Machete trailer, none of the other fake trailers was included when the features were released individually. In reaction to the possibility of a split in a foreign release, Tarantino stated, especially if they were dealing with non-English language countries, they don't really have this tradition. Not only do they not really know what a grindhouse is, they don't even have the double feature tradition. So you're kind of trying to teach us something else. Many European fans saw the split as an attempt to increase profits by forcing audiences to pay twice for what was shown in as a single film in the United States. In the United Kingdom, Death Proof was released in uh, on September 21st, 2007. The release of Planet Terror followed on November 9th with an eventual theatrical limited run of the entire grindhouse um, feature the following year. Death Proof was screened in Europe in the extended version that was presented in competition at the Cannes Film Festival, the additional material includes several scenes that were replaced in the American theatrical release version with a missing real title card, such as the lap dance scene. Total about 27 minutes was added for this version. And in Australia, the edited version of Death Proof was screened on November 1st, 2007 as a separate film. However, from January 17, 2008, um, Grindhouse had limited screenings, and in April 2008, Grindhouse was screened by Dendi Cinemas at in one venue at a time across the country uh, through use of a traveling 35 millimeter reel in South America. Planet terror was released in January, 2010 while death proof was released in July, 2010, at least in Brazil. And then here's where it gets a little weird too, was just based on where you saw it. They had different trailers in Canada. Um, they actually, so the movie itself had a contest for homemade trailers and they would, the winning homemade trailer would actually be shown before the movie as the very first trailer. So somebody in Canada won it, 
Um, and they want it for doing hobo with the shotgun. And that's kind of why we're doing hobo with the shotgun um, is just because it was the second movie that was made from the grindhouse one. The first one being Robert, first one being machete from Robert Rodriguez, who actually decided to make it. And then I think hobo with the shotgun was already kind of in pre-production since they found out it was being made. And um, just to kind of go off on a little more of a tangent, but the, uh, the guy who directed hobo with the shotgun actually went on to do, um, if I recall, I'm trying to make sure before I even say it, let me just ramble a little more. And yep, uh, he actually went on to do Dark Side of the Ring, which we've talked about many times on the show. So they've gone on to do a ton of stuff. And um, Hobo with the Shotgun, I can't wait to talk about either. But so I want to bring it back to Grindhouse. Um, what was different about Grindhouse was just that when the film was then released to DVD, you'd think that we would get both films together, but we didn't wasn't until recently. And I believe about 2016 that they had a two disc director's addiction, a director's edition with the whole film stitched together. Like it was in the film, um, instead of cut into two separate movies, just because everything was sold separately. Even when you bought the Blu-ray for Grindhouse, it had separate discs, one disc being for planet terror, one disc being for death proof. Um, and that was on Blu-ray. And it wasn't until 2016 when they finally released that director's edition where you had both films stitched together as well as the fake trailers in between them. Otherwise, you had to go to YouTube and search for the fake trailers. They ended up being a lot of bootlegs and everything. Um, and then the only people who ever ended up getting a full like release of everything was in Japan, where you had the films and their individual extended editions, as well as the original double feature presentation with special features to that. So it's like a six DVD case. and. Um, and yeah, so from there, it's um, from here, <laughs> that's pretty much the whole production and everything. Um, there's some little th details I probably might have missed. And ever since it was like kind of coming out, it just felt like there was some sort of stench on it that it just never performed well. And with the Weinstein allegations, some stuff can be talked about, some stuff can't, probably for legality reasons. But it's such a twisted movie. That was just so I felt kind of lost in time that I feel like it's gained a bit of momentum recently, but I still think it's like not loved as much as it should be. And I'm so happy that the movies that were in the trailers are actually being made because like I feel it continues that tradition of what Grindhouse was at the time, which I is just so groundbreaking. And um, yeah, yeah I, I have nothing, nothing more to add. It's just. You know, I hope we see the other trailers, which we'll we'll bring up. But uh, I mean, Alex, you have anything to add? I know I've been talking so, a lot of well, the time. Well, it's fine. But with that being said, like you said, with these movies being made, um, I think it <laughs> I think it just goes back to where they originated from. You know what I'm saying? Like, so when the what there's two machete machete movies, I think right. Oh, uh, correct. Yeah, there's machete and machete kills. Believe it or not, there's a joke in Machete Kills that there's going to be a sequel called Machete Kills Again. And they made a fake trailer in Machete Kills for Machete Kills Again, but it's in space. And uh, <laughs> it's so great because the trailer itself is a joke. But they're like, and Leonardo DiCaprio as like the as the, mask, the man in the iron mask. And like you never see DiCaprio's face. I don't even think DiCaprio's in there. Because the guy never takes off his mask. You just have to accept that it's DiCaprio, but it's shot in a grindhousey way. But I mean, with that being said, all these movies that are coming out that were originally grindhouse trailers, 
And yeah. like, oh, where do they, and if people love these movies individually, and they look into their origin story, it it'll go back to oh, these are just funny trailers that were made for Grindhouse, which will put more eyes back on Grindhouse. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So it's so it's like, if there wasn't fanfare for them at the time, like it could obviously get the fanfare now or in the future. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, with that, I have nothing more to add for this first half. No, that's fine. Uh, we'll take a break and we can get into the movies, uh, right after this. Yeah, sounds good. All right, folks, we are back and we are going to delve into Grindhouse, the, uh, the film itself. Um, so this movie starts off just like you're like, it kind of reminded me of like, uh, going to Alamo draft house. With the with the goofy the goofy old school trailers. Oh yeah. And the the nice, you know, like old timey theater music. Um kind of like a retro style. And uh you know, like it had like the now coming to theaters near you or now whatever. And uh you our first trailer is uh, Hobo with the Shotgun. Yeah, I was gonna say so Hobo with the Shotgun was only in the um was only in the Canada release. Um, they had the, like I was saying, they had a contest to where they wanted people to make their own trailers. Um, and I think it was like the highest voted or something got, um, actually got a trailer in the film. And, um, a few guys made Hobo with the shotgun and it won. But the weird thing was, even though the, the, the contest itself, I believe, I don't know if it was worldwide or just in us and Canada, but, um, they actually, only showed it in the Canadian release. So it was uh, it was a little weird. The move the actual like film itself always had the cards stacked against them and I don't know why. Well, I mean with the allegations it's kind of I mean you could kind of see why, but it is just kind of um you see the movie always had it's again the the deck stacked against them for just some reason. And when you told me that Hobo with the Shotgun was a film that actually got made, I was like, no way. So, um, yeah. And, uh, in that one in the trailer, it is just that it's, it's just a hobo with the shotgun. It is just like this, there's like a pedophile Santa <laughs> who is looking at kids. And then this guy, this hobo who has a shotgun, goes and just blast him and then he's like killing all the bad people in this town it's true it's true and that's what the premise of the movie is it's terrific i don't know if that's really what it is but yeah i can't wait for you to see it because it is just like it's old trailer and i believe that if i recall correctly when they did the remake um for the actual trailer for the movie that was made they almost did a shot for shot, but like um, updated to actually be their movie. And um, hmm. so, yeah, it was that. And then um, I just don't I think it was the Cunha boys thing was in the middle. Correct. It wasn't at the beginning. It was just Machete. Yeah, the Machete was after that. Yeah. Yep. And it was just like he gets the girls. He kills the bad guys. He gets double crossed, and it's just the story of Machete being double crossed by the U.S. government or something. Yeah, exactly. U.S. A U.S. government goes to hire a federale, <laughs> uh, an accidental federale was who thought was doing work, 
um, outside of a gardening place. <laughs> and he's just like, get in. And then double crosses him. And then they show Machete being badass. And he fucks his wife and daughter. <laughs> and, and it's just about just a revenge tale. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. Um, yeah, and then after that, I mean, the, then the actual movie starts. And it's, uh, it's Planet Terror from Rodriguez. And just kicks off with just Rose McGowan just dancing and crying. Yeah, she's a go-go dancer, um, and, you know, her life's not what it, what she wanted it to be, and then she says she swears she's quitting that time, and uh, to her boss, and he's like, all right, see ya, and then um, she starts walking, I I guess she's walking home, or to a diner, but I, I don't know. Yeah, she um, she was just like starting to walk home pretty much, and then that's when the the army truck uh, like just comes out of nowhere and almost barrels over her. And then it goes to the military base to um, where we have the next part of the movie. Um, so there's some kind of arms deal or a, a, a shady deal between a weapons dealer in like a government agency. And uh, Bruce Willis is the leader of the government agency. Oh, he's a, I know that he's an arms dealer, but he's also a scientist. Oh, Bruce Willis is no, not Bruce Willis. Um, the, the guy that they meet that, Oh, the arms. Dealer. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah, wants yeah, their yeah. balls. Oh yeah. That's right. Cause it'll come back up later on. And it's kind of funny. Uh, and, uh, the deal goes sideways and then they shoot these barrels of toxic gas. I think, I think it's the best way or just toxic. Cause it's, it goes in the atmosphere mm-hmm. and uh, people start choking and dying. And then Bruce Willis's character is wearing a face mask the whole time. He undoes his face mask, walks through it. And, uh, and so do like all his all his other soldiers that are with him. All of his soldiers after after a firefight, uh, the researcher arms dealer drives away, barely escaping with his life. And then we cut back to uh, no, he doesn't get away because there's one soldier that goes on top of the truck and makes him crash. Well, yeah, but I mean, he survives till later on in the movie. Yeah, well, he's pretty much like kidnapped. You find out later. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, you help me out. Yeah, no, you know, that's fine. You help me out. Um, we then go to is it Fergie? Is Fergie in this movie? I was yeah. I meant to ask you. <laughs> it's Fergie. So Fergie uh is like this hot stranded woman at like and, a uh and this is gas station diner. Yeah, and this is high to popularity, Fergie. That's what I'm saying, because it was like my humps Fergie. And it's like or uh London Bridge Fergie, whatever, or Fergalicious. Yeah, because this and, was like uh, 06 when it was filmed, I believe. Like 06, 07. Yeah, so it was like, whoa. Um, she's trying to fill up... Well, she's trying to uh, fill up her radiator with water. Um, the gas station man... Well, that, so this comes a little later. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off again. But, um, but yeah, it is just... That, or, you know what? I'm sorry. No, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, um, so uh, the owner of the gas station diner comes down, introduces himself, and she's like, I don't need your help type of thing, and uh, she ends up going on her way, 
but we followed the man back into the diner, the business owner. And uh, Cherry, who is Rose McGowan's character, is sitting down, and we meet this other guy. I don't remember his name. What's his name? Uh, Our main protagonist uh, next to her. Uh, Ray comes on in, and he knows Cherry, and they discuss past relationship between the two. Yeah, he calls her Palomina, and then she's like, that's not my name anymore, Ray. Didn't you say, well, it is to me? Mm-hmm. Something like that? Yeah, you tell they were lovers, and because the jacket she had on was actually uh, his jacket. Oh, that's right. It's like, I really like that jacket. And he's like, well, get over She's like, well, get over it. Yeah, you were sleeping when I when I took it. And uh, and then from there, it is just that she he's like, she asked him for a ride, uh, because she needs help, um, because when she fell into the uh, the gas, um, she got something stuck in her leg. And then while this is while this is going on, and he decides to give her a ride. Um, we cut to this uh, this dysfunctional marriage between uh, these two doctors to where the husband is abusive and the wife is just um, secretly texting someone while talking on the phone to a babysitter to watch their kids for the night while they go to work um, to come and get the kid at, I believe, like 10 or 11. And... Uh, and the you could tell the husband's kind of abusive or at least just very psychologically tormenting her just because he comes out and she hands him his uh, uh some coffee and then he's like who are you talking to it's like the babysitter he's like do you he tells his son like do you believe her and they both shake their head no and he's like yeah i don't either so there the whole time you can tell something's not right and um and then when we get to the actual hospital, that's when things start kicking off. When one guy has these like lesions, like he's bitten by something and they don't know exactly what it is. And then slowly, like they start going all over all these like diseases that may like possibly spread in that. And then they tell him to stick out his tongue. And then that's when it has all these lesions and shit. Oh, and the guy's at, and the guy's acting like nothing's happening. Right. The patient. Yeah. Even when like they squeeze, he's, he's like, He's like, I feel fine. He's like, stick your tongue out. And then it's just like, yeah, it's pulsating. It's blistering. It's like a bunch of pus. And he's like, what's wrong? And the doctor's like, doesn't the doc, because the doctor has like a thermometer in his mouth. Doesn't he like bite down on the glass thermometer and it breaks? <laughs> That's a little later, but yeah. Uh, oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, the guy even says he has 105 temperature, which is like 109 is, I believe they said like 108, 109 is like... <laughs> It kills him. Yeah, pretty much. And this guy is just like he looks like how we're talking right now. It just it just sounds fine. And he's just like ah, things are going well. Do, 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 do. Just like I yeah, just he's like, yeah, I just he's like I don't he's like I don't feel so good. Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of like I think I'm coming down with a small cough, <laughs> like something like that. It's just like I got a tickle in my throat. But you're like, dude, you should be legally dead at this point. Like, what the fuck's going on? And then all of a sudden, it like kind of intercuts between these two stories going on of everything. Um, oh, in his in the doctor's wife isn't she like an anesthesiologist expert because she knows how to use the medicine? Yeah, because she comes like she's like here's red syringe, yellow syringe, blue syringe, or something. Yeah, she comes in and then delivers the shots to the guy. She's just like the first one is just to take the sting off. Second one is like uh, it's gonna like you know you're not even gonna feel it. 
And then by the time you get to the third one, you won't even know that I'm here. So, and then. Oh, yeah. yeah, You won't remember who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't see me again. That's what it was. Oh, that's what it was. Yes. And. uh, So, yeah, it is just that. And then you're just trying to figure out what the hell's going on, not only in the hospital, but. um, Well, that's happening. That's when Fergie, her car breaks down right on the side of the road. And you're just kind of like, fuck, like the hell's going on. And then you, uh, as they do that, the, um, the, all these cars are passing by. She's like asking for help. And she's just like, so pissed off. Like, Oh fuck. Like, I just want to get the fuck out of here. And, um, and then that's when nobody will stop to help her. One car almost runs her over. And then as soon as another car passes by, that's when she gets taken away by zombies to just get eaten. She is ripped to shreds, dude. Yep. And you're like, well, no one's safe in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that's what I love when movies do that to when you're just like, this person should be around till act three and nope, they're gone within the first 15 minutes. Um, kind of a funny story, but that's, um, that's actually, one of the points of uh, Scream when it first came out was just that uh, in 95, Drew Barrymore was a big household name. They put her on the poster for Scream and even have her as the main like like person with their mouth closed, kind of like gasping. And everybody went into the movie and on the trailers, they build her as like they gave her a lot like top billing. And in the trailers, you're just like, holy shit, like Drew Barrymore's in this movie. We got to go see it. It's a bunch of like high school kids and somebody's getting slashed. And then in the first 10 minutes, she's killed. So back in Scream, they actually did that kind of Hollywood trick of, oh, Drew Barrymore's going to be in this new fucking slasher movie. Let's all go see it. And then it was such a shock to everybody that went to see it that she was just killed off immediately. Um, and I think that that was kind of played in part here in uh, in Grindhouse with Fergie, just because Fergie was hot around this time. And um, I just think that nobody she, expected her to she, be killed she, so quick. And she was supposed to be tied to the the doctor's wife mm-hmm. as like the love interest. So it was like, oh, I guess that story is now dead in the water. Yeah. And um, so from there, I mean, it's just everything just starts slowly kicking off to where uh, the we get back to Ray and uh, Cherry. They're they're talking about. Um, People are scrape. They see people scraping shit off the road. No, they actually pass by her getting like ripped to shreds on the road. And she gets, oh yeah, they're like, "What was that?" Yeah, they're just like, "It's probably roadkill." You know, people do roadkill. Oh no, they're recovering roadkill. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, they're talking about that, and then it just, um, and then it goes to no, that was that was Fergie they were devouring on, and and then from there, that's when. Uh, the guy decides to swerve around somebody that he thought was in the road, completely flips the truck. Uh, Rose, uh, Cherry essentially gets dragged out the truck. Uh, Ray grabs his gun and goes and shoots whatever was trying to get her. And they go off with her leg. Um, and then from there he takes her to the doctor. And that's when you see everything just start to kick off more of these things just start going like, you know, coming back to life and shit like that. Yep, and then uh, that's when they find out. Because was Cherry bitten in the leg by zombies when fleeing? No, she, the leg was just completely ripped off. Okay, 
Okay, I thought they had amputated, but no, it was already amputated. Um, just because the in the night vision scope, um, they showed them all like trying to feast on her, and then one of them ripped her leg, and then that's when he like started killing them off one by one, and then they run off. So it was ripped off, and then that's when Ray goes up. And he's like, "Oh my god!" And then they go to the hospital. Things just start fucking going off one by one. The police want to interrogate Ray to see what the hell's going on, um, and to see like why he's bringing a girl with one leg to the emergency room. And then slowly but surely, more shit starts. More creepy shit starts to happen in the hospital. Oh, the doctor finds his wife and shoves her in a broom closet or a janitor closet. Yep. Right? That's at this point in time. He locks her in there. I'm going to deal with you later. Well, it's a little after. Just just because it is that um, the the paramedics do come back with the body. They're like, hey, they're looking at these three bodies that come in that they just recovered that were like torn and ripped and eaten to shreds, kind of like the guy that came in on the first part. And then one of the bodies is Fergie. And then that's when, uh, that's when the, she's like, Oh, and then like, looks, Oh yeah. Yeah. And then that's when like the, her husband starts holding her. And then he knows that what he knows exactly what the hell's happening. Like it was supposed to go for the kid later and it cuts a bit to the kid. The kid is like just being a kid at the house and, uh, the two babysitter twins are uh, are watching him, and they're just fucking fighting the whole time between each other because they want to hurry up and get the hell out of there and start their night. And, All right, and then that's and that's when they lock her in the closet, right? Yeah, that's when kind that's of. when they talk, and then that's when the doctor's just like, "It's like, did you know she was here?" And and she's like, no, no, I didn't. She's and he's like, yeah, I know you're lying to me. And then that's when he injects her with her needles, like she did to that one guy, and then locks her in the closet right before he was going to do the third needle. That's when somebody stopped him. Uh, just and then like, wasn't that someone? I was like, wasn't that someone a zombie? No, just because that guy was like, hey, uh, he's like, hey, doc, uh, you got to get out of here. And he's like, I'll be there in a second. And he's like, no, and he's like, doc, I need you right now. He's like, I'll be there in a. Like, All right, I'll be there in a second. And then he. So then the guy leaves, and then that's when he locks his wife in a broom closet. And then um, when the doctor leaves, that's when he's like, what the hell's so important? You got to show me. And then the bodies are just gone. Like, they're just completely, there's just none. <laughs> well, yeah, all the- just a trail. And you're like, uh-oh, this isn't good. And then I think that's when the doctor gets his just desserts. Yeah, that's because he's a- he's attacked in the hallway. Well, it's, um, yeah, he goes to check on his friend who they were going to perform amputation on, the guy who had the legion and shit. And um, and then when they go and check on the guy, like, that's when he sees that the guy has already, like, cut off the top of the doctor who was supposed to perform the amputation's head. Hmm. And then he was coming after the doctor himself, but then the fucking extension cord <laughs> goes out and then uh then he puts it to his eyes slowly and then the power goes out on the thing he's like uh and then that's when he like grabs a legion from one of his from his mouth i think and then just puts it on on the doctor and squishes it and it gets in his eyes it gets in his like nose and mouth and like that was gross dude oh yeah it was uh oh i love and i hate those (laughs) like fucking slimy shit in any sort of like biological virus movie. It's the best and worst thing ever just because 
when it is, you know, if it is something that is like viral, like a zombie invasion would be, it it would just be fucking nothing but like pus and just slime and just fucking just nasty shit everywhere. Like, and I like how the zombie didn't try to eat him. It just like squeezed it on him and then walked away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what was great too. The um the one thing I loved about this movie was just how dirty it was, and I felt like how a zombie invasion would be just because like I love zombie movies. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of them feel too clean. Like the blood's dried up and shit like that later. But in this one, it's a hospital. Things are going to get dirty. Like everything is just slimy and gross and just kind of how it would be when shit like this would pop off. It isn't just that everything is, is kind of like neatly put to one part and then the blood just essentially just kind of stops. It is just everything is just nasty on the walls and shit. And it's 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 uh it's almost like how COVID was with the hospitals to where it was, you know, everybody was was trying to just stay away from everybody and just trying to, like, do what they can to get around all this shit. Yeah, there was nothing. Yeah, there's nothing anyone could do. Mm-hmm. The. um. Uh, but anyways, then it goes to. Uh, then we cut to Ray talking with the with the deputies. Um, you find out that the the police officer did something for Ray, and he's like, I, "Ray, I stuck my neck out for you. Why don't you? You know, I need you to fucking keep a cool cover, shit like that." And uh, so that's when more uh, one of the fucking deputies comes in, and he's just like, "God damn it! Like that motherfucker, he got me. He's like fucking bit my fucking finger off." And uh, and then he comes in, he's missing his ring finger and he goes and he gets the sheriff to go back out there with him. And then Ray feels something isn't right. They get, they start getting attacked by zombies. The, uh, the, the sheriff finds his, his ring and puts it on his middle finger <laughs> and then fucking uh sex machine, by the way, from, uh, from dust till dawn. And then from there it cuts to like, just everything just starts popping off. The zombies are just fucking like tearing everything to shreds. Everything is exploding for no fucking reason. Um, the fucking, the, um, the cops are just trying to survive. Like that's what it becomes now is just, everybody's just trying to survive. And the doctor, uh, has finally escaped from her thing, but she is like, she is slowly like trying to regain herself just because she had two needles in her and so she can't like grab anything like everything is just loose like oh. she's driving she's driving with like her god this part that part fucking dude it got me yeah because she's trying to open the door and then she slipped yeah she gets because she's like no she's like numb so like yeah. her she put her hand she put her hand in the handle and it's trying and to like she slipped and broke her hand. yeah and she's trying to like get her shoe in the fucking in the door so she can like open the door and then yeah slips and breaks her hand and then her hand is still stuck there and then when she finally gets in she's uh she's just trying her best to like how in the fuck is she gonna drive and she gets like her her watch uncuffed with her with her mouth and then she slowly puts it in drive and then she's trying to drive the whole time essentially with her her mouth and her like a broken hand like wrapped around shit and you could see like her wrist it's yeah great and it's what's great too is just like she's hitting fucking everything like she's barely making these corners but she's trying to like get home to grab her son <laughs> and then uh 
slowly like Ray goes to the hospital. He gets the, he has the cop. They go and they, uh, they save Cherry. Then they go to, uh, to JT's, the barbecue place. Um, that's when the, um, the nurse gets to her house. She grabs her son, uh, and then kicks the babysitter twins out. And then they're, they're pissed at her because they thought she was going to show up earlier. And then she kicks their ass out. Uh, and then they're banging on the cars. They're just trying to go. And, uh, the, the twins don't even know anything that's happened yet. So they're just fucking pissed at her. And, uh, and the kid is trying to grab like all his, uh, all his, his turtle and his fucking spider and all this shit and put it in one thing. And then they go to, uh, they go to the dad's house to, uh, to try and be safe. And she tells, she tells her son like, Hey, you know, I'm going to leave you in here. If you see anybody, I want you to shoot him. And then kids are just like, you know, you want, what if it's daddy, especially if it's daddy. And, uh, so yeah. And then from there, pretty much the, uh, they go to the barbecue place. Like you have people trying to, to hide out. Um, everybody is just trying to pretty much survive at this point. And then Cherry and, uh, Ray make love. And then there's a missing reel in the film (laughs) and then it comes back. Everybody is just, then all of a sudden, like all the characters you've seen somehow are already at this barbecue spot. (laughs) And the, so the spot is burning up and they're just trying to now get to their car to go. And uh, they're just trying to go anywhere. So they do. They end up going um, along the road and they're just trying to get the hell out of the city. As they do, though, they come up, uh, they come across like, a whole thing of zombies and they were just about ready to just die right there trying to trying to survive. And that's when uh, the military comes and shoots them all up from behind. And then takes the whole people hostage into the to military base, and then that's where you find out exactly what the hell's going on in this movie. And pretty much, we meet the scientist there. He's held in jail, and pretty much, um, the they were going to uh, rape the women. They brought Cherry and the doctor downstairs, and they were going to rape them. And then the um, the scientist is explaining to Ray what's going on and just that he created a, um, a weapon to essentially keep these military guys alive. And while he was selling them a new shipment, that's when things went to shit. Um, and so he decided to save his own skin. He was going to blow it up and that's what led to exactly what's going on now and what they're inhaling, what everybody else is that's caused this outbreak is a, is a drug that's keeping them alive. Um, and so the guys serve, the guys essentially break out. They um they go downstairs and they go to Bruce Willis's character who's like in the middle of all this like these five things and he tells them exactly like how they became how they are and turns out that they had found Bin Laden and killed him but he had some virus in him that he coughed up onto all of them and made them highly susceptible to who they are they to where they needed that drug to survive. So um pretty much they they end up killing Bruce Willis's character, who's the main army guy, and then um, Rose McGowan saves um, saves herself from getting raped by Tarantino. And the movie, yeah, who's all who? Yeah, he makes his cameo in uh, Planet Terror. Yeah, he's just an army guy who's wanting to get his dick wet. But when they don't have the drug on them, that's when they start slowly melting into just goo. Like he's trying to rape her and then just his everything is just fucking falling, <laughs> like just just dripping goopy downwards. And you're like, oh, my God. 
<laughs> and he's just like, fuck it. I'm going to, he's like, you know, fuck it. I don't need the gas. Fuck the gas. And it's just like, I'm going to get my dick wet. And you just see it. Like he slowly goes from looking normal to pulsating oh, yeah. and just his, everything just fucking falls off. And, uh, and then that's when he, the girls get saved. The, um, everybody essentially breaks out and they're trying to get to the copters to essentially leave. Um, because Ray had an idea well, it, of they should go to Mexico, put their backs to the ocean and just kill whatever they can and build a new city of survival. Um, isn't this at that point, isn't that when, um, Cherry gets her machine gun leg? Yeah. Yeah. This is when, uh, as soon as they get saved, that's when Ray is like, Hey, I made this for you. And that's when he brings out his machine gun leg, because when he finds her in the hospital with the sheriff, he actually gives her a wooden leg. And, uh, she's with a wooden leg. Most of the movie until the machine gun, leg, like the last 15 minutes to where even Tarantino, like fucking calls her Peggy. <laughs> To fucking before he's oh gonna go God. rape her and uh <laughs> and then um and then yeah so that's just them trying to survive essentially a lot of people end up getting killed um but the main group survives the scientist just is all right like all right we got to go around this wall to the corner and he does and he as soon as he peeks around the corner his head just fucking explodes in half <laughs> and uh the only way they get around the corner is that uh cherry has the uh she blasts off like with a grenade over the wall and then shoots all the, all the cover that was that they had right there. And then essentially creates a way for everyone um, to leave. And in the process of, of trying to kill all these things so everybody can get to the choppers, that's when Ray dies. And then Cherry gets lifted out by a rope. Um, And, uh, and then the movie goes to Mexico where they're, where she's given like a monologue speech of what had happened. And she's kind of like talking to Ray almost as if she's like writing a letter and she's like, you'd love it here, Ray. It's beautiful. He's beautiful. And it turns out that they had a kid. Um, and then they cut to Mexico and she has a, a Gatling gun now for, for a leg and she fucking like shoots the hell out of it. <laughs> and then, uh, and then just the movie just ends. And that's plant. Then that that's planet terror. And then we have horrific. The, uh... It was a real good movie. It's the first time I ever saw it. Um, and I thought I thought it was really good. It was unique, different. It was fun. Um, and uh, funny at some points. And uh, I like I said, I just, I really enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah. And then um, and then after that, I, and I love the hell out of Planet Terror. Like I really wish that they would have made a sequel. Uh, I kind of hope they still do. If, if anything, but um, I I think it's highly under underrated when it comes to any zombie movie mentions at all. Um, from there, then we go to the fake trailers. I believe first we had Werewolf Women of the SS with uh, Rob Zombie. Um, yes, and then um, pretty much that whole movie is just that Hitler is essentially creating a whole group of super women that are werewolves <laughs> to fucking like get kidnapped and shit. Uh, and then the whole the whole trailer is just that happening, and uh, you see like Nazis. And then don't they? I was gonna say, don't they turn on the Nazis in the trailer? I believe so. Even though they're all in SS uniforms, they turn on the Nazis. Yep. And then it's uh, and then fucking Fu Manchu is in it, played by Nicolas Cage. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is amazing. And uh, and then you know the two guys that are boxing in the trailer are fucking uh, Test and Vladimir Kozlov. No way. Yeah. So they um huh. 
And apparently, this was something I was going to bring up earlier. So for that, the fake trailer they shot, apparently Rob Zombie said that they shot enough to where they had a 90-minute version that they could have released of all the footage that they shot, even though it was just a two- to three-minute trailer. Like, that's just how much extra shit that they had, and they thought about actually releasing it as a uncut, or as, like, a cut sort of, like, 30- to 40-minute movie. Um, I don't know why it wasn't ever done. I forget if it was lost or some shit like that. Um, but anyways, from there, then we go to um, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is the Eli Roth one, which is coming out now to where it is just some guy who's this killer that's loose on the town and is slowly killing people. Um, there's uh, there's a knife to the to the vulva. There's uh, a lot of decapitations. Um, the one, like, sheriff who like puts his finger over the decapitated head and like trail of blood on the ground. And then he tastes it and tells the other guy, no cranberry sauce. Yeah. He's like, it's blood. (laughs) The fucking sheriff, son of a bitch. (laughs) And it just cuts to, then it's just a bunch of killing shit. And then it just ends with the pilgrim, essentially skull fucking, uh, a Turkey, um, that had like, it was like stone with Eli Roth's head. Well, this family's like, Oh, that's right. That, that, that's right. That's right. But now this now this trailer, the actual movie looks like it's a little bit better than that one. Yeah. But uh, uh, but yeah. Then then it was the um, so that was Thanksgiving. I just want to say it's it great was, too because apparently with Thanksgiving he Roth had said him and his buddy were going to write a movie that was like that where it was just this kid that got his turkey stolen when he was younger by his overly religious father and that was his kind of revenge on the town was killing everybody like turkeys. Um, (laughs) And that was like the whole thing. And then when he got approached about the trailer, doing a fake trailer, that's when he told his buddy like, dude, we don't even need to make the movie. We could just make all the money shots. And that's when they did Thanksgiving for the movie. Um, Then we get to the uh, Acuna boy spot, which is just a bunch of very generic food. (laughs) Like on these, like like a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. But there's like salads and shit of like pictures of salads and like calzones, <laughs> and it's, it just says it's located right next to the theater. And uh, if I recall too, I think like Acuna Boys is a reference to Rodriguez's brothers um, or cousins or something. It's like someone related, and he's like, you know what, fuck it, we're just gonna call it Acuna Boys. And okay, and uh, I had no idea. And then we go to Don't, which is from uh, Edgar Wright, who's done uh, Baby Driver, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World's End. Um, he Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He's done a ton of movies, and I I'm a massive fan of like all these guys, even Rob Zombie to an extent. Like I'm not some of his stuff is eh, but when he hits, he hits big. Um, House of a Thousand Corpses is good, ain't it? I like, it. yeah, I really one? do like it. Um, and I really enjoy the Devil's Rejects. Devil's Rejects is a damn good movie. That's the one. That's the one I was thinking. But House of a Thousand Corpses is still pretty underrated. Uh, the problem is just that there's so much in that movie to where you just kind of want more. And, um, and so anyways, and don't the whole premise of the movie is just, it looks like it's like a haunted mansion, but it's filmed like these old trailers from Europe and England to where they would just instead what's and this, I'm sorry, like my, my brain is going kind of 50 miles an hour here, but, um, it was kind of like a take on there's this one movie that I believe was called like haunting at Manchester house or Manchester place or something. And so he made the trailer kind of like that, but 
apparently like the movie isn't even that scary or anything. And all the money shots they put into the trailer, kind of like this one. And then don't was, he wanted to envision a movie of where it was a ghost haunting, but all the money shots are in the trailer because back in the seventies and eighties, when that type of trailer was around, they would put these fantastical titles of just uh, two movies um, from that were like released from England. So you wouldn't know that they were English movies. Um, kind of like how we had seen the one trailer for that one that was like Ghost Galleon at uh, Alamo Draft yes. House, where it's like Ghost yeah. Galleon, and it's fucking like that for like 15 minutes, and it's just scenes from the movie. Like that's just how exactly this one is, because not only would American producers do that when they would bring movies over here, but Italian producers would even do that shit to where they would bring movies from America, and then they would have their own movies and they would say that they're sequels of said movies from America. Like Dawn of the dead was, um, uh, so there's a movie that's called uh, a zombie and it's from Lucio, uh, Lucio Fulci. Uh, it's a terrific movie. I highly recommend it. I, we are going to watch that on, on this podcast. I really do love that movie. But, um, anyways, with zombie, the whole reason I bring it up is just that in the movie itself, the whole, um, when it was, released in Italy they didn't know if it was going to do good in the theaters if I recall but the they actually pitched it as a sequel to uh, George Romero's Dawn of the Dead so when people went to see it in international they'd be like oh the, the, because I think it was released as Dawn of the Dead 2 and then over here in America it was just released as Zombie and um, but anyways sorry I'm going off on a bit of a tangent I, I just bring that up just because that was the whole point of the trailer was it would have some random thing where it's like a haunting at Manchester place or some shit like that. But in the American version, it would just be like, don't like how the trailer is, or it'd be like something more fantastical. Like there's a killing in the kitchen or some shit like that. Um, or there's someone in the kitchen or some shit like that. So in, um, in this movie, they did don't. And the whole point of the whole thing with don't is just, it's these characters doing what the trailer guy is telling them not to do. And then at the end of the trailer, it's like, if you think it is seeing this movie alone, don't. And then it just shows us it's like, don't. Then we kick off um, Quentin. Then we kick off Death Proof, which was actually, which the I love when you start into the movie. It just says like Quentin Tarantino's uh, Thunderbolt. And then it just has like a missing real thing. And it's like Death Proof. <laughs> just like yeah. the shittiest like placeholder card here. But again, that's what was happening. And the, these movies are different because Death Proof is kind of like if Tarantino wasn't Tarantino and he was just trying to make a bad movie and it was a bad movie from some guy that happened to be named Tar Quentin Tarantino versus Planet Terror was a film that is a throwback and a homage to like all of the other movies. And um, they, I feel like they definitely should have switched. I feel the death proof has the much better ending as opposed to planet terror. But with, um, with death proof, just to get into it, the story's pretty sweet, short and sweet, but, um, follows these girls who are out for a night on the town. We have Kurt Russell's character, stuntman, Mike, who is essentially following them around. And then, um, halfway through the movie, he essentially kills them. Um, because he just, he's just this guy who stalks and kills. Um, and then you're just kind of like, oh, fuck, well, there goes our protagonist. But then he goes and he stalks some other girls 
And yeah, on on first wa- on first watch, you really grow to love the first group of women. Yeah, their night out. Uh, you know, Butterfly is visiting Austin for the first time. Uh, Jungle Julia is a local radio DJ that everyone knows and loves. And then there's another friend. There's a friend that brought him weed. They like they are loved at their bar. They're like the regulars at their bar. Who yep. Tarantino runs the bar, and uh, he loves them. There's a couple of guys trying to get lucky. They're going to go to Lake Lake Tahoe that weekend. Um, and the guy I didn't realize I, I when I watched it the second time, the guy that plays the Bear Jew in Inglorious Bastards is one of the guys trying to hit on Jungle Julia. Yeah, that's Eli Roth, which I didn't realize. It, yeah, is it Eli Roth? Yeah, director oh, of all these movies. I didn't realize they're the same guy. Hmm. And then yeah. Um, and so I saw Death Proof before Grindhouse. And when I was talking to you a little bit off off air, I'm like, uh, Jungle Julia sets up her friend Butterfly by saying, oh, if you find us out tonight, say this poem, and she'll give you one free lap dance. And uh, she's like, I'm not going to do that. We'll just tell these guys that you already did it earlier in the night. But uh, Stuntman Mike and Butterfly strike up a conversation. He says the poem to her. And then in the part in the movie I saw, um, she ends up giving him a lap dance, which I think is one of the best scenes in that whole movie. Super hot, super sexy. And then it throws you off when you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot this guy's a, a fucking psycho. Um, but in this movie, when uh, it's about to get hot and heavy, you have another missing real scene. And then everyone's outside of the bar like, okay, bye. Have a good night. Yeah, have a good one. All of a sudden, like, Jungle Julia and uh, fucking Rose McGowan's character, she's not playing Cherry. She's playing someone different. Is, uh, like, they had issues. They're just like, yeah, she was a bitch throughout high school in that, like... <laughs> then all of a sudden, they're just cool by the end of the night. Oh. And then... Um, so Stuntman Mike takes home one of the friends, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he kills the blondie girl that was trying to get a ride from him all night. Um, he's like, are you going left or right? And she's like, oh, I'm going left. He's like, ah, that's, that's a shame. We're, I'm going right. So, and he's like, it would have taken you a moment to get scared, but I guess you have to get scared right now. And he threw, I mean, he explains his, you know, throughout this little bar scene to this girl and the other girls that his car is death proof. And then, like how you mentioned earlier in this podcast, that you can hit a wall at 60 miles an hour and I'll walk away with not even a scratch. So he ends up being fine on his side and he, like, breaks her neck because there's no seat belt. Yeah, it's pretty much and then he, the uh, only and the then driver's he, side was death-proof just because everywhere else is where they would put the camera in movie shoots. Yeah. And then um, he ends up chasing down the first group of girls, a Butterfly, Jungle Julia, and the two other friends. And uh, just goes head on, just directly head. Yep, yep, yep. So he passes him on the road, turns off his lights, floors it back at him, then turns his lights on. Uh, Jungle Julia has her leg out the window. Um, and when he he head on collides, he does like a barrel roll and everything in his car. Um, but then like J- Jungle Julia's leg is severed. The driver gets crashed into, and then Butterfly gets like a rear a rear tire to the fucking skull, and it, her skull explodes. And I'm like, "What the fuck?" And you think the movie's over because you're like, "What?" Kind of like how um, 
Fergie died in Planet Terror. Like, what the fuck? I, th- I thought these people were important. I spent 40 minutes with these people. And then you're like, well, we're not done yet. And then you meet our another group of girls yeah. right after. Well, I guess well, tech, tech. What's up, man? Mike has like what a broken collarbone, and that's it. Yeah, they go to the hospital, and you actually get to see the doctor from from Planet Terror, uh, with his wife, and uh, you can tell that they're kind of pissed at each other, but they're trying to keep her professional. Uh, and then the sheriff, who was in Planet Terror as well, um, they they with discuss exactly what's going on with Stunman Mike. or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they're like, "Well, I'm pretty sure it was intent to it was in, an intentional murder or even vehicular manslaughter, but I can't prove it." It's like that was just an unfortunate accident. And he's like, "Yeah, I guess you're right." And they just let it go. No, cuz he's just like, "You know, I don't think that." Though. He's like, "I got a theories." And they're walking around the hospital and then he's just like, "I think that this is the only way to shoot his load." Oh, that's right. That's right cuz he he, get, he gets off on that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then it cuts to him now stalking a new group of girls. Which is very, like what, like 22-year-old Rosario Dawson? Um, no, she's like 30s. 30s or 40s. No way. Yeah. She's only, like, she's only like 40 now. Bro, Rosario Dawson's been around forever. Well, she's still young. No, she's... Still young then. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, she's 44 right now. Yeah. So, like, what, <laughs> 15 years ago, dude? She'd be like 19, 20. No, she's still 30. About, yeah, about early 30s. Oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. Whatever, still young and hot. Anyhow, her uh, there's the other girl who is the uh, stunt stunt woman who plays herself in the movie. Yeah, Zoe Bell. Zoe Bell. Um, we get the, the ditzy blonde, or the ditzy, like, actress... Who is her friend, yep. right? Yeah, she's... Her she, model or something? Yeah, her name is Lee. She's kind of like the uh, the star of... I think she's like the new star on the movie. That, that oh, yeah, because they're all on like a... Th- they're like a three-day... They're like on a three-day break or something, right? From shooting a movie? Yep. And then who is the driver? The other woman. Um, That is... She's a stunt woman on the... On the movie they're working on. And I'm trying to see what her actual name is because the one who plays lee is uh, mary elizabeth winstead um let's see and um because yeah that other woman she drops just as many motherfuckers and n-words as uh, samuel l jackson and every other tarantino movie i'm like damn she was calling everyone slurs i'm like okay this is fun i guess I've never seen a woman speak so like profane in a movie before, but I mean it's I think it's I think it's a good like it's a good character choice. But I'm like, damn, did she really say did she call everyone N the whole time? I was like, dang. Yeah, Kim. And I'm trying to see who plays as Kim. Her name is Tracy Toms and she plays as Kim. Okay, because I'm like, I think I think she's been in like I don't know what I remember seeing her in, because I've seen her in stuff before. But same. She just, regardless, she looks way different than she did at that uh, at that, that time. time. Yeah, she's she's definitely been in stuff here and there. I mean, she's mostly been on TV. Her latest thing is nine one one. I was gonna say, like, I thought I swear I saw her in like Law and Order or something, but um, 
Regardless, so um, now Stuntman Mike is stalking them. Um, do we, in this uh, see? Because I'm trying not to confuse the first time I watched it with this one. Do we get the gas station scene where they pull up next to, to next to him at the gas station? Uh no. That's not in this one. No. Okay. All right, then that part is out. Yeah, it's just, so you take. I guess you take over. Just, I would just take over. Take over from here, then. Yeah, it's just that the girls go and have dinner, or no, I'm sorry, they get breakfast and then they're gonna go check out a car. Um, that uh, Zoe wants to play ship's mast with uh, Kim with, and we'll explain that in a bit. But um, they try and decide. They try and like con the guy and, and leave their friend there. Um, to essentially. Um, not blow him, but insinuate he's, that she's going to blow him. So that way they can take the car on a joyride. And as they do, they go and play this game called Ship's Mast, where you have two belts on wrapped around the uh, each of the doors, and there's a person on the front of the hood the whole time as they're just going as fast as they can on the road. Um, And while they're playing this, that's when Stuntman Mike comes, and then that's when he just starts fucking with them the whole time. And uh, it's just pretty much like this long ass 20, 20 to 30 minute thing of him just screwing with them while Zoe's on top of the hood and they're trying to slow down so that way she can get off the hood. And uh, and as they are, um, that something happens to where she gets flown off. Uh, she gets flown off into like these woods and then that's when stuntman Mike pulls over and he's just all happy and he's just like, hey, hey, hey. he's like, whoa, ladies, that was fun. Like we gotta do that next time, and, and then fucking Kim just and then Kim ha- Kim has a gun. Yeah, it just fucking just shoots him, and then like his uh, and you see like so he gets popped, and then he just starts driving off, and he's just all like ah, and he's crying like a bitch, and then they're in the car like trying not to get too mad and trying to just compose themselves, and that's when they look ahead, and Zoe just jumps up out of nowhere, she's like I'm alright. <laughs> And then they get back in the car. And they're like, they're like, do you want to kill this motherfucker? Yeah. They're like, yeah, let's get him. Yeah. <laughs> so then they flip they flip the tables on uh, Stuntman Mike. Yeah, and then Stuntman Mike is pulled over on the side of the road, and he's crying like such a bitch. And he pulls out like a whole thing of whiskey and just starts chugging it and put, putting it on his arm. And what I love is that they showed the arm wasn't shot. He was just grazed. <laughs> Like he wasn't even shot. He's like, Ouch! Yeah, he's like, <laughs> and he's just he's crying like such a bitch. And he's like, you got come on, you got man up, you got man the fuck up. <laughs> Puts it on his arms like ah, and he's just trying to like chug away in his whiskey. And then that's when he sees the car behind him and he spits out his drink. He's like ah, and then just there's a, and he gets rear he gets rear ended so fucking hard. Yeah, and then they like they get him a few times and kick his ass while he's in the car and he's trying to drive away. <laughs> And he's just, and the whole like rest of the time is just another like 15, 20 minute car chase of them now trying to track him down and the tables get turned and pretty much it, uh, they end up, uh, getting, they flip the vehicle yep. and he, and they pull his ass out and just, they all take turns just fucking kicking his ass and then they kill him. And then the movie just, it's a, it's a punching circle and they all just punch him. And then the movie, the movie, like they all jump in the air after they knock him yeah, out. Yeah, and it says the end, <laughs> and just the cheesiest title thing. And uh, I don't know. And that's and that's death proof. Yeah. Well, then it cuts to then it after a few seconds it goes back to them, and then 
I think it was Abernathy or Zoe. I can't remember, but one of them just puts their fucking boot through stuntman Mike's head, and then the movie ends. Oh yeah, Ab- Abernathy stomps his skull. Yeah, and then the movie ends, and then it goes to the credits, and then in the credits, while they're playing music, you get to see some behind the scenes stuff of what they were doing, and that's Grindhouse, baby. It was a long, long movie. It was a fun movie. It was a fun experience to watch it that way for the first time. Yeah. Um, and uh, this podcast may have went a little bit longer, but I think it was worth it to get the history of this uh, movie down. Oh yeah. And for the movies, and for the movies that are about to come on the podcast, and to talk about them as length as much as we can, just be just trying to explain as much as I know about the movie. And as we get into the the other movies for the rest of this month, um. I'm excited to to rewatch because I'll be honest, I don't remember liking the first Machete that much. And uh, I'm excited to kind of see it again with new eyes. Yeah, I'm, I've am i never seen it at all. So I, I plan on watching that. And and then Hobo with the Shotgun, you said, is a specifically Canadian movie. So I'll see if they have it on some streaming platforms because I like to... Oh, they do. It's... um. Re- it's just... The, I like to rent them or pay for them. So. It's just the trailer that was... Um, that was a, only released in Canada. The movie itself is an independent movie, and it was okay. uh, and it got like a whole U.S. release and all that, like a small one. Because yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm it's excited. on it's on Hulu, it's on uh, YouTube, it's on Prime. Yeah, but we'll uh, but next week for sure is Machete Machete, right? Yep. Uh, I wanted okay. to go with how they were um, when they were released, and Hobo with the Shotgun was 2011. Um, and Machete was uh, 2010. So out of all the trailers, the only two that haven't been done technically are Werewolf, Nazis of the SS, yeah. and then Don't. Yeah, so Don't and Werewolf Women of the SS are the two that have yet to be made. Wow. And then Thanksgiving comes out at the end of the month. Yeah. Man, big month too. I know I might have some personal stories coming out in a couple weeks or so. We got a hunting trip coming up uh, for me next weekend uh, on the uh, as this podcast is released. Um, so that'll be that'll be fun. Hopefully, I get me something. I can guys give you guys a little bit of story about the wilderness coming back um, from that. Um, and then yeah, just Grindhouse Month continues on. Exactly. Can't uh, can't wait to discuss more, guys. I uh, that's it for me. I think I've done enough talking this episode. But uh, you can find me. I'm at Crow three hundred three on pretty much um, everything. Um, just it's only Instagram and Facebook and uh, Letterboxd. But uh, well, actually, I'm not on Facebook at Crow three hundred three. That's something different. But it's I'm on Instagram and Letterboxd at Crow three hundred three. And then I'm on Instagram at Alex Valios ninety two and on Letterboxd at Alex V. Uh, 1021 and you can follow our show uh, Instagram where Marcelo might be posting some of those uh, you know old YouTube videos we we created and he created um, and that's at Shufflebox Podcast um, that's also fun so look forward look look for those too depending on when those come out we're not going to like schedule release dates or announce those just pay attention to them um, as they get dropped yep. it'll be a it'll be fun to go down memory lane and look at those um videos or watch videos that match up some stories we've already told exactly i can't wait to show them again all right guys well until next week uh have a fun week have a safe week and we'll catch you next time so long and good night folks that's what's happening with the big dog and shuffle box 
And as the Rogue Man says, now here's what's happening in your neck of the woods.